JMV here with Brian Kahn from Floors to Your Home. Fans, if you're shopping for flooring of any kind, you need to check these guys out. You're going to have the most incredible, totally hassle-free shopping experience ever. JMV, we really appreciate you saying that. That's our goal every day, to offer our customers a quick, easy, and hassle-free experience at all of our Floors to Your Home locations. Fans, it works like this. You see the product you like. It's going to be cheaper than anywhere else. That's for sure. Then you can immediately take it home with you or have it installed. That's right. No hassle, no special order. Just see it, buy it, and take it home, or have it installed. Like three rooms of hardwood, laminate, or waterproof flooring starting at just 349 and they have everything in stock. I'm doing my whole house, and believe me, this is the best shopping experience you'll ever have. Three convenient locations, Avon, Noblesville, and Brookville Road. Who gives the quickest, easiest, and most hassle-free buying experience? Floors to your home. That's who. Via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline from ESPN.com. He writes regarding the Colts in the press box yesterday. And we have a myriad of things to discuss right now with Stephen Holder. Stephen, how are you? I am doing well. How are you, John? Before we double back and talk about yesterday, um, right. I do want to talk about where we are in the present. So, Quiddy Pay concussion protocol to join the party in there right now. Jonathan Taylor is going to be back on Wednesday. Shane Steichen did not rule him out. And I think this sucks because I like this kid a great deal. Dallas Flowers done for the season with an Achilles injury. And Jelani Woods remains on the IR. So, where would you like to start with the four or five top? Topics I gave oh, you present time. A lot going on, man. A yeah. lot going on. Uh, well, let's just get the injuries out of the way, and then we can get into the meteor sure. stuff, I suppose. Yeah. So, shoot. What you got? Um, I, so, Jelani Woods, I've heard two yeah. different things. I've heard from some that he spent an offseason of not being in the type of condition that they needed him to be in, and that kind of led to this. And then I've heard from others that he spent the offseason working hard, and that kind of led to this. Uh, have you heard a truth either way as far as Jelani Woods is concerned? I can't clarify one way or the other, to be completely honest with you. But I, I did talk to him last week because it occurred to me, I saw him in the locker room one day, and I was like, hey, man, like, are we getting anywhere? What's going on? And and he said that he thought he was pretty close. Now, I thought he had a chance this week. It appears that's not going to happen. But I, I don't – as far as I know, this is not some kind of season-ending kind of thing and that they can get him going here soon. But the other thing – the other reality here is that with hamstring injuries, you know, we all know from – from watching football over the years or even just our own personal experiences, you know, they can be tricky and they can linger. So you, you have to know that the guy is ready. Otherwise, you know, you're talking about, you know, a, a kind of a stop and start situation where he re-injures it and then you're back to square one. So I think that's what they're Larry about right now. And we'll see, but to, to their, to the credit of the other guys, the tight ends collectively are really coming through right now. So I think they've, they've, largely worked around Jelani Woods' absence, but but I do think he has some abilities that maybe those other guys don't. So Stephen Holder from ESPN joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. You probably have received a little bit of the same thing. I have a lot of people ripping on the accomplishments so far through four weeks of one Darius Leonard since his return. 
And in turn, he is liking most of these these tweets or X's on my Twitter handle right now. The latest being, can we trade Shaq Leonard for Darius Leonard? Shaq is irrelevant. Um, obviously, oh his, his snap count is not to where it needs to be, and his production is not where it needs to be as far as what he is getting paid. Something ultimately has to give. Are we looking at this too early, or is this justifiable to wonder, all right, is this guy ever going to materialize and become what we thought he was going to be. We are, where are we right now with Leonard? I mean, that's a fair question. I think at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's the hope. I mean, that has been the hope for, for this entire period, you know, through this entire process that he would get back to being the guy that he is. So it's been a couple of years since we've seen that guy. So is it fair to ask that question, I think so. Yeah, I, I mean, look, I, that's not a prediction that he won't be that guy. I'm not. I'm certainly not making that prediction. But I, I think we can only go by what we see right now. And clearly, what we see right now is that he is not that guy. Was and, the coaching staff realizing that yesterday, for example? I, uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think you saw they played four linebackers yesterday. You know, and this is a team that that in the past, you know, just largely played just two. And so part of the reason they, they really never, you know, kind of delved into that depth is because uh, they had Leonard and, and then usually a, a second guy like Okereke or, you know, you can go back to Anthony Walker in previous years and they just didn't need anybody else, you know? So now that, that they aren't getting maybe the same production out of Shaq Leonard uh, has opened the door for EJ speed to take more reps and, for other guys to get involved and, and for him to take a little bit of a backseat at times. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a cold, you know, douse of water to see him like that. Cause we're not used to it. You know, we're not used to seeing Jack Leonard sharing snaps. This is not a thing. And but that's where we are right now. I, I don't know. I mean, we're four games in long way to go. Hopefully he continues to improve. I mean, he has come a long way from last year, but that's not the question. The question is, can he be the guy he used to be? And we haven't seen that guy yet. But I, but I do think it's important to note that he has come a long way from last year. But that last step is the hardest step. You know, getting back to the elite player he used to be, that's the hardest step. And, and that's the step he hasn't been able to take yet. Yeah, it's funny. You look back at that year when he had all those turnovers. There was so much to be said about right place at right time and then ultimately setting that bar to where it is and everybody believes you to be right now. But I would would guess that from what we've seen through the first four weeks – I mean that's that's cuttable, that's salary adjustable. I mean those those are big decisions to be made if he continues to play at the pace, right, Stephen, in which we've seen to this point. Well, that will not be a fun conversation. I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> but look, the reality is in the NFL, you can have that right after you have the next Jonathan Taylor one. So yeah, <laughs> right. go. No, listen, <laughs> Just take care of two things at once, right there. Yeah, they have something in common if you know what I'm saying. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you know they have the same representation. So anyway, be that as it may, I don't think that's relevant necessarily. But but I, I do think the NFL is such that look. Uh, contracts are, I don't like to, you know, sort of harp on guys money, right? Because I don't want to pocket watch and all that. Right. However, at the end of the day, they, they pay you for what they anticipate you will be in the future. When, when you sign that contract, you are being paid, 
for the anticipation of future performance. And we know all too well that when the performance does not meet a certain standard, sometimes things change. And that's all we can say right now. I mean, we're again, we're we're still on the front end of this long way to go. But, it, you know, Shaq Leonard's one of the highest paid players on the team. That is a fact. And you can feel about that however you want to feel. But that's a fact. So uh, there's a certain level of performance that that is expected based on uh, the contract that has been handed out. It is what it is. Stephen Holder joins us. So this team came out incredibly flat. You saw it. I saw it from the press box yesterday, uh, inexplicably, especially considering going into yesterday, they had lost six straight at home. Um, and why you come out looking like that on both sides of the football. And I know that that was it was helped by EJ Speed and a bonehead play. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a bit. But, you know, they got going. And, and the one thing that stood out to me, I've been more hardcore on the defense today because they had through three weeks set a standard of excitement with, you know, tackles for loss and sacks and an aggressive play that we saw against a, a hampered offensive line last week in that overtime win against Baltimore. And then they come out and in true Gus Bradley fashion, that's how he plays and plays so incredibly soft. And okay, that's how he normally plays. But once you see Matthew Stafford looking like he's 98 years old and needs a golf cart out there, how do you not? just go straight at him as ferociously as you can. And I know that you don't want to leave the backside open, but Steven, they were getting their ass whipped on the backside anyway. So why, why don't you realize that, especially once you saw Stafford and the condition in which he was? He couldn't walk. I mean, he could not walk. It was amazing. And to his credit, by the way. Oh, he was nails, man. He was nails that yesterday. That guy is tough. Yeah. People don't give him enough credit. That guy is tough. And, you know, I'm not that – not that I, I don't think the world of Anthony Richardson, but in an alternate universe, Matt Stafford would have looked pretty good in a Colts uniform. Anyway, that's a whole other story. So uh, I would say this. I thought there was an opportunity there. Look, they went and blitzed Lamar Jackson last week, who is probably the most, uh, the, the most, or the most difficult quarterback to bring down because of his escapability. They went and blitzed him, and it was successful last week. So here you have a guy who can't move at all. Granted, he has a quick release and he throws an anticipation at an elite level. All those things are true. But, I mean, at the end of the day, <laughs> you, you got to make it tough on him. I mean, you just got to smell the blood in the water. I agree with you. And I thought that was the perfect opportunity. Look, Gus Bradley is not a blitzer. It's just not what he does. But I had said probably on your show last week that I liked the fact that he showed some adaptability and, and, and open-mindedness and, and did get aggressive at times in the last couple of weeks. I, I think they did it against Houston as well. And we saw none of that yesterday. We saw it in very, very isolated instances. And the thing about it is when they have blitzed, they've actually gotten a lot of production out of it. They've gotten results from those blitzes. You know, EJ Speed and Zaire Franklin, uh, Kenny Moore off the edge at times. I mean, they've gotten – they made the most of them, put it that way. They haven't blitzed a lot. They're still way, way, way at the bottom of the league in terms of the rate of blitzes. But when they do it, I see it being very productive. And and then secondly, a byproduct here is you talked about them getting ripped on the back end regardless. This is, this is not an I told you so, but one of the things that got lost in the last couple of weeks because they did play well overall and found ways to, to kind of be gritty and, and 
and find ways to win. One of the things that got lost is that they still have some real deficiencies that I was just waiting to show up (laughs) and you knew they would. And yesterday was an example of what I thought could happen. That deficiency showed up. Frankly, it showed up week one. I'm talking about the cornerback depth and the lack of, of real uh, proven players at that position. I mean, it showed up in week one and they covered it up a little bit the last couple of weeks because they got some pass rush going against backup offensive linemen. When the pass rush wasn't there, those corners got exposed. Okay. With a capital E that was dreadful. I just, I look at that's to me, one of the big reasons why they won last week was because of the blitzing and that change of pace in which they did, even against Lamar Jackson, you know, pushing them back at times, especially in those moments when they needed it on the field position-wise the most. And the fact that they didn't recognize that yesterday is ridiculous to me. And the Rams did a lot of things yesterday, and certainly Nakua catching footballs is not one thing that's been unique to the start of their season. But running the football was, they had a 100-yard rusher, and it always seemed like that they got against this defense a chunk of yardage on the ground when they really needed it, maybe on a first down, maybe on a second down, and it kind of set them up for the rest of it and it just seemed like that the Colts defensively all day long played so incredibly soft and I know that that's how he likes to play but as soon as you saw Stafford in that condition you got to do something different I also will tell you this Stephen I think one of the reasons why when Stafford got injured I thought McVay took the foot off the gas and I think that's one of the reasons why you saw the Colts kind of catch up it wasn't about the defense you know getting these great stops you know, they were just kind of hanging in there. But I, I thought that offensively, because of the condition of Stafford, thought McVay kind of took his foot up off the accelerator a little bit. Oh, I, I noticed that. There were probably two or three instances, including, I believe, their very last possession of regulation, where I was like, what is McVay doing? That's not like him, you know? He's a guy who, who wants to go for the throat, and he's always kind of been that kind of guy. He was not that guy yesterday, and I, I thought that was – uh, definitely noticeable, and you may you may actually be onto something in terms of the reason he he elected to to make those decisions because he was not aggressive at all, even when there were opportunities. I mean, I think they had some fourth and short opportunities on the plus side of the field, and he just said, eh, "We're going to punt." And you're like, "Why?" You know, especially given how successful they had been in getting uh, conversions throughout the day. So I, it was weird to me, but anyhow. I agree. In terms of your description of the Colts not uh, adjusting and and adapting to the situation, at some point, everybody's got their preferences and their scheme and the things that they do. But, you know, look, when things aren't working, you have to do something. You have to figure something out. The other takeaway I have is DeForest Buckner is even better than we give him credit for because he was not 100% yesterday. He really shouldn't have been out there, to be completely honest. And he was on a pitch count, and it showed. I mean, he just couldn't go. He, he played – I don't know how many snaps off the top of my head he played. I don't have it in front of me, but it was not many. And I know he was gutting it out. He didn't practice at all. Uh, I saw him dragging the electric uh, stimulation thing home with him on Friday, leaving the facility. I, I think said, I need man. one of those. I need some electric stimulation <laughs> myself. Yeah, I mean, that guy was hurting, you know. He, he was probably sitting on the couch all night, you know, with that thing hooked up to him. And it's the only way he could be out there. Anyway, uh, when he's not out there and 
he anchors that defensive line, and, and they just really were disappointing without him. Uh, I would say Dio Odengbo, that's the best performance I've ever seen from him. The problem is that he didn't have enough help, and there weren't, another, there weren't enough guys uh, given uh, similar effort. So, you know, it, it was disappointing. It was definitely disappointing. And, I, I, again, I go back to what I said previously. They really did uh, take advantage of some backup offensive linemen in the past two games. And that is not a criticism. That's what you're supposed to do. When you, it's like in basketball, right? If you got a, you got a bad defender, you know, backup guy defending you, and he's the weak link, and, and you're a wing player, you got to go right at him, right? And that's what they did. And they made the most of it. That's what you're supposed to do, uh, or an undersized player or something. Like, you know, that's what they did. And credit to them, but it just it wasn't happening yesterday at all. No, it um, it was a really soft defensive effort compared to what we had seen through the first three weeks of the season, and that was something we had talked about in the Colts pregame huddle: the tackles for losses, leading the league, and sacks, top five in the league. And it looked great on paper. Yeah, There's no question about it. And then it they got the... and I, but I did. I mean, listen again. I'm not saying I, this is not a. T- I told you so, sure. but but I but I think we all knew. All right. Mm. Let's see how this goes, right? Talk to me in a few weeks, and we'll see. Like they may, they may figure it out again against Tennessee. I don't know, but but they, you know, they they have. There were some questions even coming off of those games. I thought the defense, I thought the defense would would have performed better, though. I'm I was surprised at how poor that performance was yesterday. I was um, critical of Kylan Granson and in what looked like to me to be a drop there in that final drive of regulation. Some have mentioned maybe that Lake got his hand in there. And again, Fox didn't go back to um, to any replay whatsoever for us to see it. But I watched it time and time again once I got home, and it still looked like that that went through the hands and into the stomach. Was that just a, a, a lucky, very close play by Lake of the Rams defensively, or was that a drop by Granson in a critical moment? You know, I don't know either. I, I, I'm actually looking forward. I'm trying to pull up the film as we're talking here, but I'd have to look a little closer at it. So I don't want to, to judge without taking a close look. But, you know, I, I would say this. I, I do think Granson, and that's one of the things that I've kind of been larry about with him the last couple of years. I just, I just didn't think his hands were consistent enough. Now, that has not been the case this year. I thought that he had been – He's been pretty much on it this year, and, and I like what I've seen from him. Uh, but but I don't know. I, I'd have to – in fact, eh, it's not coming up. But I, I'll try to take a look at that here and uh, and maybe post that video. Yeah, I want to try to be fair, but it, I, I watched yeah, it, yeah, and, no, and from, what I, from what I saw – because because people were asking about the play calling in that that final mm-hmm. regulation series, the three and out, and it was too much passing. And I said, well, if, if I had a problem with it, it was a lack of of rolling Richardson out and had a, having him stand in the pocket. But I thought that was one of the best throws I have seen from him, and it looked to me like it went through the hands, into the stomach, and then onto the turf. Yeah, you know what? I'm actually looking at it now, and it's so from the end zone view. Okay. It, by the way, fantastic throw from the end zone view. I would say, you know, th- that that he at least gets his hand in there a little bit. But here's the thing: tough catches are they're tough for a reason. <laughs> okay, and you know, we've seen Michael Pittman, for example, you know, make the, those kinds of tough catches even when you know someone else has their hand on the ball or something. I, I don't know. Look. They are – you're expected to make tough catches 
in those tough situations. Well, let me rephrase that. It takes tough catches, you know, to convert in those situations. It just does. You know, they're not going to make it easy on you. Well, that's all. a first down. That, that's a first down, and that bet maybe gets yeah. Matt Gay in position with a minute 19 remaining to kick yep. the game winner. I mean, he doesn't need much, right? We know that. So, talking about Matt Gay. So, it, it's unfortunate. It, it's it's tough to tell, but I, I think if, if the – the funny thing about it is if the corner – gets his hand in there or the safety i think it, it really is just luck because he, he doesn't get his head around that's for sure he just kind of sticks his hand out and maybe he's looking at his eyes he could be looking at granson's eyes i'm looking at the film here it's just really it just didn't look like it i mean I, I know that it's hard to tell anything much less a, a directional change of any sort but it didn't look like that it didn't look like other than him standing there that it affected it to me so. Yeah, I mean, he definitely got a hand out there, but as to whether as to whether his hand made contact with the ball, that I can't say. Yeah. It does look like 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 uh, Granson did have an opportunity at least. Well, I wanted to be fair about it too, yeah. and not climb on him too much. I just thought that you know, from the looks of it, at least from what I, I saw over and over again in replay, it, that's the way that it looked to me, and that was a, a pretty substantial moment in that game. Uh, it was. And, and, and look, the, what we can say for sure, though, is that it's a fantastic throw. Yeah. And I, I know it, people from afar might look at the box score, you know, those who, who judge football in that manner. You look at the box score and you think, eh, that's just an okay day for Anthony Richardson. And look, there were some missed opportunities for him, granted, and, and there will be. He's a rookie. However, this was, I thought, the defining performance he has had so far. Even though what he did in that first half in Houston was phenomenal. And he had some moments early in, in week one. This was his defining performance. I think this was his coming out party. And I know, again, the box score doesn't tell you that, but there are five or six throws in this game that are absolutely positively elite, like top five quarterback throws. I, I, maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe I'm too close to this. I don't know. Well, one but was incomplete. Me- one was a rope where Josh Downs went the wrong direction. I'm assuming, right? Yeah. There's one over the middle where where it looks like Josh Downs went to the middle, and the throw was a little bit further toward the numbers, but yeah. it was a rope. But the the other completion to Downs is actually kind yeah. of a, a sneaky great throw too. The, the rope that goes a 30 yard gain uh, down the seam, the timing, the accuracy, the perfect arc. I thought that the the play to to Mo Ali Cox and the touchdown. Look, I mean, <laughs> look, he is. He being Richardson, he's rolling to his right. He's he's off one leg. He's off the, on the wrong leg, by the way. I think his left leg, if I'm not mistaken. And he throws that thing with without his feet up under him, and it's insanely accurate. Okay, insanely accurate. I thought the the play on the two pointer where he gets the ball to to uh, Moss, Zach Moss, uh, where he is eluding Aaron Donald, has him in his grasp, and he gets out of it. He does a pirouette. He ducks to his left, and just as he's about to get decked, he just flicks the ball to Moss. I mean, that is, where does one learn to do that? You don't. That, that, that God just gave him something that that the rest of us don't have. And I'm, I'm just telling you, this was an absolute showcase. That second half was a was an Anthony Richardson showcase. And and in that showcase, you got to take the good with the bad. There were, there was some bad. No one has talked about this much, but it's it's a fact. The play to Michael Pittman that has been much debated, where he gets his face mask pulled, it appears. Uh, 
that's a touchdown. He has Richardson has to throw that ball a couple seconds earlier, and Michael Pittman walks into the end zone. He is wide the hell open. He just he was late. He's indecisive, and he he missed it. He was late. Now they still should have got the call. It was, still was a, a great pass in the end, but he made a an easy play into a tough play by not pulling the trigger. So that's a, that's a missed opportunity. I'm not killing him. These are just things you got to live with. You know, he's 21 years old. Um, he's he's basically a football infant. But the point is, some of those plays he made, and and under the circumstances, this is the, one of the things that that people at Colts headquarters told me today. It's not just that he made those plays, but he did it down 23 points when. I mean, he's got all the pressure in the world. He didn't get any help from his defense. And he's down 23 points, and he says, I got it. And he did. I mean, just masterful, I thought. Hey, Stephen, I want to go really quick before I I cut you loose here. Jonathan Taylor coming back on Wednesday off of PUP, back to practice. Uh, Shane Steichen did not rule him out for Sunday. The dude hadn't practiced since my my birthday back in December of, uh, you know, getting closer and closer to a year ago here. I I always thought the timetable was going to be in a couple of more weeks. I mean, might this be expedited more so than what maybe we had thought prior to? I mean, I think he's leaving the door open. I'd be surprised if he plays this week, but I mean, I can't rule it out. Shane Steichen's not ruling it out, so so I certainly won't. Um, but generally, yeah, do you see a guy? Do, do you see players, you know, sort of just roll out of bed and and play the first week back in practice? Mm, tough to do, but but I, it was pointed out to me that you have seen this in holdout situations, and you know maybe this was a holdout, maybe it wasn't. But the point is. <laughs> You've seen this in holdout situations. I think it was uh, which Bosa just got paid. Uh, Nick. Uh, Nick was not practicing, if I'm not mistaken. Um, he was not hurt, certainly. And he got the contract extension, and I believe he played that same week. Uh, Chris Jones, I think, was holding out and got his, you know, that came to an agreement and, and played the next week. So it does happen in those situations. In, in this particular situation, I think it, it really boils down to what has Jonathan Taylor been doing and how active has he been uh, and, and were there any limitations on him from that ankle. So that's the part I, I don't have clarity on, but everybody now has said that he looks phenomenal in his workouts. Uh, I heard that from their running backs coach, uh, DeAndre Smith, last week, and then today Shane Steichen echoed that, said he looks absolutely great, and it's it's kind of the, the most excited I've seen Steichen in a while, to be frank with you. I mean, he, he was really legitimately excited to talk about Jonathan Taylor getting back out there and, and what he could be. So we'll see. I've said this. I hope it justifies all this yip-yapping I've done about how necessary he is for this team. You know what I mean? I think, it, yeah, listen, you can watch yesterday's game and, and basically have the same takeaway. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, they were dying for some big plays at times yesterday, you know, and and this is something I said earlier today to someone. There were times there where, you know, they get in these long down and distance sometimes, particularly on third down, you know, well, imagine if Jonathan Taylor pops an eight yard run on first down. Well, talk about that being a game changer, you know? So I I think if you look at there, I believe the, uh, game tying drive maybe or maybe it's the one before but anyhow that drive really got started with Zach Moss ripping off a couple runs I mean that's that's the game changer for the quarterback it it lets him take a breath and and take his foot off the gas a little bit so that when he does have to step in there and make a big throw you know he's he's had a little bit of a break I mean that's that's a real thing you know Anthony Richardson having to carry the load 
and scramble and run and do all that. I mean, it, it takes a toll over four quarters. Yeah, and I think so is my conversation regarding Jonathan Taylor. So I'm hoping it's accurate and he plays well and plays hard and fast and we, we see what we expected to see out of him. He returns to practice coming up on uh, Wednesday. Stephen Holder, ESPN.com, covers the Colts via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Always a pleasure, man. Go grab some rest. All right, man. You got it. Thanks. Stephen Holder. 